In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. It was a program created at unimaginable speed, under incredible circumstances. The Canada Emergency Response Benefit will provide $2,000 a month for the next four months for workers who lose their income as a result of COVID-19. It's impossible to say how many people the CERB fed, how many evictions it prevented, how life-saving it was to so many Canadians who lost their income in a heartbeat. But six months later, two months longer than initially planned, the federal government is ending the CERB. So what's next? Well, the good news is that the government is also expanding employment insurance, adding new qualifications, and even introducing three totally new benefit programs to help Canadians who don't qualify for traditional EI. The bad news is, if you need it, you're going to have to navigate all of that, and quickly, if you've been depending on the CERB and you need support in October and beyond. So who qualifies? For what? For how much? Where do you go to apply? What do you need? We'll try to walk you through this maze today. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Rosa Saba is a business reporter with the Toronto Star. Hello, Rosa. Hi, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing really well. And maybe you can start because um, I know this has changed a few times now uh, by telling us when exactly uh, does the Canadian Emergency Relief Benefit uh, end? So there's a few different dates to think about here. Um, And I was just going over the website to make sure I was up to date because you're right, it has continued to change. But most recently, uh, when the new EI changes were announced on August 20th, CERB was uh, extended for four weeks until October 3rd. You can actually apply until December 2nd, so you can get CERB retroactively, but the coverage date ends October 3rd. But the big switch from CERB to EI is actually happening on September 27th. Do we know uh, roughly how many people are currently on the CERB? More or less, yes. So it, millions. It's absolutely in the millions. Uh, the government has said that they believe around 3 million people are going to be moved to EI on September 27th from CERB. But another 2 million people will not be eligible for EI, which is why there's going to be new benefits available to them. So that's, that's about 5 million people right now who are, who are still relying on that benefit. So how does that work? Um, and, and this is why we wanted to talk to you today, because you, you did a very detailed explainer uh, on essentially what to do as, as this benefit comes to a close. So how do I know uh, if I've been on the CERB for the last few months? How do I know uh, if I'm eligible for EI or not? So if you have a quote-unquote regular job, as I know fewer and fewer of us do, so a job that normally pays into the EI program, 
you'll generally be eligible for the usual benefits. And that would include maternity and parental and sickness benefits, everything that was normally covered under the EI program. But the, the other eligibility criteria, specifically how many hours you've worked in the past year, has been lowered considerably. So the government is giving people a one-time credit of several hundred hours, depending on which benefit you're applying for, meaning you only have to have worked 120 hours in the past year to be eligible. So you're you're going to have a lot more people eligible for EI who weren't before, such as people who were part-time workers or, of course, people who stopped working during the pandemic. If you don't have a job that normally pays into EI, then that's where these new the new benefits come in. Let's stay on EI um, just for a second before we get to the new benefits. Let's say I'm somebody who's... Um, who's been lucky enough to have a regular job until this pandemic hit. I've never um, I've never done the EI. I've never had to do it. Um, what do I do? So the first thing you need to uh, figure out, pretty straightforward, is whether you've been receiving CERB through Service Canada or through the CRA. Because uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, as we know, the EI program was flooded with applications. The EI program is normally administered through Service Canada. And... CERB, when it was created, uh, the government decided to administer it through the CRA to sort of lessen the burden on Service Canada. So some people are receiving CERB through Service Canada, and some people are receiving it through the CRA, depending on when and how they applied. If you know that you're going to be eligible for EI, but you've been receiving CERB through the CRA, you're going to need to make sure that you have a Service Canada account. Um, you might already have one. Uh, if you do your taxes online, like I do, you'll already have a Service Canada account. But if you don't have one, you need to get one. And it actually takes a bit of time because you're going to get a code in the mail. It takes several weeks. It could take more with all the people trying to get up to speed. So you really need to make sure that you have that account ready to go. And that's where I apply for EI um, outside of the CERB. Correct. Now, the government seems to be saying that everyone who is currently on CERB and eligible for EI will be shifted automatically. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it <laughs> looks like. And I certainly don't know what it looks like if you're certainly sorry, if, if you're uh, currently getting CERB through the CRA. So I wouldn't assume that it's going to be like that, you know, I I think it's better just to be just to be prepared, have a bit of extra money saved up if possible, just in case it's not as automatic as they're making it sound. So let's just uh, stop there for a moment because you really tried to to dig into all the intricacies of this and um and when I I read about it it's kind of mind-blowing and there's so many people and so many different benefits programs and uh, different different branches of government administrating it how likely is it that this actually happens smoothly You know I, I wish I had an answer for this or some kind of probability but I I don't so CERB was created for a few reasons and the biggest of them was was the fact that the EI system could not handle the millions of applications when the pandemic began. So I agree, it, it's quite daunting to think about putting millions of people, three million people uh, who are currently on CERB back onto EI. But the government has said that they've beefed up their capabilities to prevent that from happening. I hope they're correct. And, and it's also good to remember that the other benefits, so the new benefits for people who don't qualify for EI, are still going to be administered through the CRA, not through Service Canada. So that should help lighten the load a bit. 
Okay, so let's talk about those uh, new benefits then and start with um, just straightforward. If I'm not eligible for EI and, and I know, you know, we're both in the journalism business. We have friends who are freelancers. Um, you know, there's a ton of gig economy workers out there. Um, what is there for me? Because those people aren't going to qualify and they know it. Absolutely. Yeah. As a former uh, contracted freelance worker, I'm really happy to see this, to be honest. Um, so you'll be eligible for the first of the three new temporary benefits. It's called the Canada Recovery Benefit, and it's specifically for gig contract freelance workers, people who wouldn't normally pre-pandemic be eligible for EI. So you only need to have made $5,000 in 2019 or 2020 to qualify. Uh, this begins September 27th. It's available for a year uh, to a maximum of 26 weeks. And it's $400 a week, which is $100 less than SERP. Uh, and once again, it's, it, uh, you should bear in mind that this is going to be administered through the CRA and not through Service Canada. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. What about um, if I want to go back to work and, and, and there is uh, hopefully a job waiting for me or at least a contract, but I can't uh, either simply because of childcare issues or because there are a lot of people um, who are caring for, for at-risk parents? So that's when the second benefit comes in. It's called the Canada Recovery Caregiver Benefit. Again, you need to have made $5,000 in order to qualify. It's 26 weeks within a year, but this one is $500 a week. So the same as CERB. And this is all through the CRA. And theoretically, Correct. you apply it, you apply for it and it goes right through. Correct. And the third benefit? And the third one is called the Canada Sickness Benefit. So this one is specifically for anyone who gets COVID or who has to isolate because they've come into contact with it or they have symptoms and are waiting for a test. Um, again, need to have made $5,000. And this one is $500 a week. I, I would assume this one is a little bit more of a short-term thing. Um, but again, it is available for a year for a maximum of 26 weeks. And I assume you'd have to apply for that retroactively because there's no way this whole uh, government machinery is going to run on a like a two week timetable, is there? I, definitely. I mean, like, I don't want to assume anything because CERB sure. certainly was rolled out quite quickly. And, and and these ones. So it's actually this is a really important thing to to say is that these three benefits, unlike EI, don't require uh, a record of employment. So just like serve, there's less documentation that goes into them. So hopefully they'll be rolled out a little faster. But yeah, you definitely don't want to assume you'll be getting them right away. And just like CERB, you can apply for these retroactively. So they're available, you know, starting September 27th for a year. But just because you were sick for a week and didn't get the benefit right away, it doesn't mean you can't get it eventually. What if I would qualify for EI um, because, you know, my business has been closed, so there's no work available um, and we don't know when it'll reopen. Is there um, is there a time at which that expires? Because uh, a lot of businesses have now 
been closed for more than six months. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, so EI calculates the number of weeks that you're eligible for based on a variety of factors. Uh, it looks like right now there's a, a minimum of 26 weeks. And as well, the amount that you'll get uh, has, has gone up a little. So the minimum floor for EI is now $400. For a lot of people, they would have been getting a lot less on EI. So that, that helps to boost a little bit. If you're on a temporary layoff, you need to be talking to your employer. You need to sort of know what their timeline is. You can uh, plan ahead. And if it doesn't seem like you're going to be going back to work anytime soon, there's a good chance that that temporary layoff period is also going to run out. So you need to talk to them about termination. What do I need in that case? What do I need to get from them? Whether you've been temporarily or permanently laid off, uh, you need uh, the record of employment, the ROE. So like I mentioned with CERB, you didn't need an ROE to get it, but for EI, you absolutely do. So the ROE is a document that your employer files to Service Canada, whether you've been te terminated or temporarily laid off. Um, the new benefits, by the way, as I mentioned, you don't need that. So this is just for someone applying through EI. What if um, the business that I did work for pre-pandemic has now closed permanently, as a lot of uh, local businesses have, and I can't get in touch with my boss and can't get that record? Yeah, so this is a situation that I, I, I think a good number of people will find them in. I, this is this was new to me actually. So if you can't get an ROE from service, sorry, from your employer, you can request one through Service Canada. Uh, they essentially will do the work to try and obtain it from your former employer. And if after 21 days they're unable to obtain one, They'll work with you with all available information that you have, your pay stubs, anything else you might have to create sort of uh, a facsimile uh, ROE. So, you know, it's it's a little extra work. It's a bit of extra time, but you're definitely not not stuck. I know I kind of already asked you how uh, possible it is that this all goes off without a hitch. And, and a related question to that is. What do people who want to use these benefits need to be doing now to make sure they're eligible to protect themselves to, you know, are we are we just keeping records? Um, where can they reach out if they don't understand them? I mean, so I, I've brought up a little bit of this before, but like I said, so first you need to make sure you have the right online accounts, whether it's Service Canada or the CRA. You don't even know which benefit you're going to need. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe there's going to be a second wave. Uh, so you really should have both those accounts set up just in case. You need to be in communication with your employer or your former employer uh, to make sure that sort of you know either when you're coming back to work or you know they're going to file an ROE. And you also, and I know this is a hard thing for a lot of people, it's, it's a privilege not all of us uh, are afforded, but you do need to save as much money as you can in case things go sideways or, or even if the benefits just take a couple more weeks to come than you expected. And you need to stay on top of your application. So when I, when, you know, when I talk to experts about this, the biggest thing they say is be proactive, be your own advocate, check on your application on those online portals. And if you think that things are not going as they should, you have to reach out to either Service Canada or the CRA to check in on it and make sure that, you know, you're not missing a document or something else hasn't gone wrong. And are these programs um, going to be in place relatively permanently? Are we waiting now, I guess, for the throne speech coming up from the federal government to see um, exactly what they're going to do long term? So we're still waiting on, on whether we're going to have some permanent changes to EI, but these were all presented as sort of one year temporary changes or temporary benefits. I don't think we can assume that any any of these are going to be permanent, especially not the recovery benefits. That being said, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of groups advocating for permanent changes to EI, especially ones that take into account gig and contract workers. I think that's a really big one. 
the pandemic has clearly shown that these workers do not have the safety net that other workers do. And as more and more people become part of the gig economy and therefore are not eligible for EI, I do think that some changes are going to be necessary to the EI program in order to account for that. So, you know, can't see into the future, but I don't think that we're going to go back to the old EI program as it was pre-pandemic. And my last question, which I I left till last, because this is for people who have uh, fewer problems, for the folks who have been on CERB and have uh, over the last couple of months returned to work or will be returning to work uh, in October, is the government going to claw that money back um, through taxes, through through another way, um, or is it just it's over and that's their money to keep? So this is another reason to save up any money you can. Um, as as we have learned, SERB uh, is taxable income. So unlike EI, which is taxed at the source, meaning it's not going to show up on your on your tax return the next year, you will be taxed a certain percentage of EI, and that's going to show up on your tax return the next year. Uh, but there's actually something else uh, that I haven't seen a lot of people talking about, and I think it's really important to mention. If you do get that Canada recovery benefit, so the one for gig and contract workers, if you make more than $38,000 in 2020, not including the new benefit, you will have to pay a portion of that back. So it says not including the new benefit, the Canada recovery benefit, that means CERB is included in that $38,000. So it's really important to keep track of your income and just make sure to expect a bigger tax bill Honestly, like expect a really, really big one and then hopefully it'll be smaller than you expected. But yeah, there's a few different ways in which you might have to pay it back. And of course, if it turns out that you weren't eligible for CERB because, you know, the way CERB worked was you asked for the money, you got it. And then if it turns out you weren't eligible, they'll ask for it back later. You will have to pay all of it back. So that's another thing is maybe just make sure that you actually were eligible. Otherwise, you have to plan to pay all of it back. As always, stash everything away that you possibly can in today's world. Yes. (laughs) Like I said, it is a privilege not afforded to all of us, especially if you're just relying on an emergency benefit to get by. But even if it's $5 a week, do everything you can. I I think that we, we cannot be too prepared, especially with the prospect of a second wave. It's just it's always better to be safe than sorry. Rosa, thanks uh, for helping walk us through uh, this incredibly complex maze of benefits. Thanks so much. I hope none of this has changed by the time uh, <laughs> by the time this goes to air. Rosa Saba, business reporter at the Toronto Star. That was the big story. If you'd like more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. Find us in your favorite podcast player. And when you do, leave a rating, leave a review. Tell us you love us. We need to hear it. We are very needy. You can also write to us. The email address is thebigstorypodcast, all one word, all lowercase at rci.rogers.com. Claire Broussard is the lead producer of The Big Story. Ryan Clark and Stephanie Phillips are our associate producers, and Elisa Nielsen is our digital editor. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a great weekend. We'll talk Monday. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling it's the story of broomgate how a single broom yes a broom turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500 year old sport of curling it was a year i'd like to forget broomgate available now